Sean Curry's Big Brothers and Unsolicited Advice. BG. August 18th, 2022. Joseph has COVID. My poor big brother. I'm cooking his basmati saffron rice right now. A few months ago, I called to ask for the recipe. I don't know, he said. What do you mean you don't know, I insisted. You cooked it. I mean I don't know, he said, and then he tried to change the subject. Well, wait a second, I stalled him. What do you use? Rice? Saffron? How much? A pinch? His eventual text read, Roast the rice for five minutes in the pot with no water or fat, just high heat in the pot. Then, add water less than two to one water to rice. Add enough butter and salt. Don't use a lid. So I did it. The first time it turned out I used more than enough butter instead of enough butter. We'll see if I managed to restrain myself this time around. I'm waiting for Etienne to arrive. He's slated to get here between 7 and 8, I'll let you know, which could be any time between now and sometime. He said to eat without him. He's a man of unique eating habits, my beautiful blue-eyed nomad. He may be the only person I've ever known to properly apply the whole intermittent fasting thing. I don't know how he does it. If I don't eat by 11 a.m., my stomach starts raging at me like a cat who needs his litter box changed. Of course, if I'm depressed, I ignore the claws of my stomach and stay in bed not hungry. Humankind's relationship to food is royally fucked up. Anyway, every now and then he rebalances, oh my god, he's such a nerd, and goes like three days without eating. And it seems to work for him. I am not saying it would work for anybody, and neither is he. But it works for him. My cute little nomad. I'm giving myself liberties with the mine pronoun. Is mine a pronoun? I'm too lazy to check. No, article, right? It's an article, I think. I have no use for not immediately applicable grammar. Last year in fifth grade, they made Felix memorize the definition of all these frickin' grammar words without teaching him actual grammar, and I got so mad. Etienne is less mine than any man I've ever been with. But possessive language is sexy, so he calls me his fairy princess, and I call him my blue-eyed prince charming. We both like to build fantasy castles. We w built one together last year in Greece. It came at the best of times when I really needed a Prince Charming. Of course, he wasn't actually a Prince Charming, and I guess maybe I'm not the most perfectest of fairy princesses. Needless to say, we both landed pretty hard. We were like, running off together into the sunset is a lot more challenging than they make it look. Anyway, our eating schedules. They were completely different, and it really made me own my own needs and desires in a this-is-a-vital-necessity sort of a way. Not always, but often, we shared dinners. Lazy dinners, romantic dinners, cobble-it-together dinners. The yogurt was divine. And the man can eat. He waits all day to have his calories, and then he enjoys them all at once. My tiger nomad on the prowl, home from the hunt. It's weirdly sexy watching him eat. For three and a half weeks, we were the storybook ending with a convoluted epilogue. Then he went on his way, and I went on mine. Ever since, we've been zigzagging across the globe, him a bit more than me. Every once in a while, we overlap. The it's-been-a-seriously-long-time kisses get better every time. I've lost count of the countries he's been to since we parted ways in Santorini. Practically all over Europe, and a lot of South America, too. Meanwhile, I've visited one country, mostly, my own.
America, where I hadn't been for a year and a half, since before anybody even knew that a thing called corona could be applied to anything besides beer. It was weird landing in my own country. The weirdness started in Europe, actually, with Etienne behind me in the distance, but the taste of him still on my lips. I was in Denmark, or no, I was in the Netherlands, I think. And in the line were Americans, tall and short, large and thin. Oh, the sarcasm, the sly looks, the loud griping. I was home. Confidence and chaos. My fellow countrymen as I live and breathe. I bounced when I landed from one city to another, reconnecting with old friends and acquaintances, trying to figure out which ones were friends and which ones were acquaintances. My travels culminated one day with a bonk. I had landed on my brother's island, which obviously isn't his island, but he greeted me like it was anyway. How do you like my island, sis? I loved it. I loved it so much that I stayed. I stayed a long time, and I could have stayed longer, except that it wasn't really my home, and I missed Mommy. But I loved it. I did. I stayed so long that I was added to their home shopping list. Okay, that's a lie. I added myself to the home shopping list. That was after I insisted they get an app that would allow them to update the shopping list real-time whenever they felt like it, because who puts paper on a refrigerator in the 21st century? I love paper, but come on. Synced and updated grocery lists are the best. I loved the island. Everything about it. The silence. The peace. The lack of anything to do, really, apart from check out your brother's orchard, smoke some weed, and start to write. Of course I fell in love with the baby. Who wouldn't? The baby, my new love. The sister-in-law, my confidant. My brother, who would talk on the phone all day long and then come home and in no time at all throw together a feast fit for royalty. I thought, this is what it is to come home to your mother's cooking, except everything is greasier and just a tiny bit more indulgent. Joseph and I have identical taste buds. His pantry is stocked with every single one of my favorite foods. Eventually, I headed back to Montreal, to the city where I didn't really have a home anymore, but I didn't know that yet. I needed to figure out what was going to happen with my life. I said a tearful goodbye to my family. I never could bring myself to exit their shopping list. I still get updates every time either of them goes to the store. It was hard to leave. I'd become enough a part of the house that every now and then my brother even took some of my unsolicited advice. Don't give me too much credit here. It's only because I use my shoulder rubs as leverage. I do give the best shoulder rubs. I used to give them to my brother rather freely, ignoring the perfunctory shoulder rub exchanges that included 30 seconds of not much from him and then minutes on end of, oh, please, just a bit more from my wheedling older brother. But when I was living with him last year, I put my foot down. Your shoulder has been hurting for how long exactly, I asked him. My rotator cuff had suddenly decided to give me problems, so I was looking up exercise regimes and figuring he could benefit, too. He whispered something unintelligible under his breath. Years. How many years, I asked, incredulous. Like, I don't know, maybe ten, my brother said. You will start getting regular massages. Now. He didn't take me seriously until I refused him a shoulder rub and none of his usual tricks would work. Please, just a couple minutes, right here, please. Have you scheduled an appointment with a massage therapist yet? No. Why exactly not? He never has a good answer for that one. It's not like he's lacking in means or even the time. He just doesn't prioritize himself. But I kept refusing. Eventually it clicked. I meant business. 
So finally, he scheduled the appointment, and I indulged with a long-awaited shoulder rub. From there, I began upping the ante. Regular appointments. Schedule the next one before you leave the first one. It worked for a while, and I kept seeing other ways in which I could work the leverage to my advantage. My next piece of unsolicited advice was for him to see an actual physical therapist. I mean, seriously, the man does heavy farm work in his enormous backyard, but never stretches. He's going to hurt himself one day. My leverage only worked to a point. To a point, that is, until two weeks ago at our family reunion when, Sis, please, I jumped in the pond because I forgot that I'm 40, and now my neck... I could see it from how he was holding his head, the line of tension running down his spine, his shoulders hunched, his face pathetic. So the physical therapist, I asked, unsympathetically, the one that your wife got to email you back in December? I... He didn't have a single good excuse. But this is different, he argued, ever the politician. It's not my shoulder, it's my neck. You will end up in the hospital one day, I said. Then you'll miss way more than an hour or two of work for going to the physio. In Canada, they call it the physio. I guess I'm starting to speak Canadian. Isaac, wheedled my older brother to my youngest one. Will you help your big brother out? Isaac gave a couple of squeezes that were even more perfunctory than Joseph's usually are, and the shoulder rub fizzled out before it even began. Joseph turned all his persuasion powers back toward me. But it hurts, he said. I can't believe you would deny your brother. I just laughed. Finally, I said, it would take you literally two minutes to email that woman back, and then I will put my elbow in your neck. And resigned. He did it. Huzzah! I even got him to exchange the shoulder rub and give one to me, because things should be fair, after all. Joseph. My big brother. The one who used to chase potential suitors out of the house with a broom. God, I was mad at my big brother then. But how I needed him later. I've since given him permission to tell me what he thinks about my suitors, provided he remember that he is a consultant, not an executor with overarching veto powers. It was Joseph I called on the day I realized I needed to leave Gavin. And wonder of wonders, he actually picked up the phone. Sis, you okay? My brother's voice sounds urgent. He always sounds urgent, and usually I let that hold sway. A rushed hello, a call cut short. Usually I don't need him. Today I need him. Today the urgency is for me. Sis, he says again, concern in his voice. I don't know what to do, I say. So softly I'm sure he has to strain to hear it. I feel disconnected from the air around me. Up above, I can see a gorgeous blue summer sky through the treetops of the park. A beautiful, normal summer day. Inside, I feel nothing. Don't take this the wrong way, he says, but we can cut to the chase if you want. Is this about your relationship? I don't have the strength to be offended. I nod, and then remember he can't see me right now. Yes, I whisper. Look, sis, you can tell me if you want to, but if you don't, let me save your breath. You don't have to tell me what's happened. You can if you want, but you don't need to. He pauses, and I let the silence tell him he could keep going. I'm listening. I just have one thing to tell you, he continues, and it feels strange, because I really haven't said anything, but he knows exactly what I need. We've got one life, that's all. If you're not happy with the life you have right now, pick a different one. I stay quiet, breathing and looking at the sky. He hasn't been nice to me, I finally managed to whisper. I just want him to be nice. That doesn't sound fun, sis. Have you talked to him about it? I'm scared, too, I say softly. 
My brother is not pleased. Scared? What kind of scared? I... I feel plaintive. I'm not sure how to describe it. It's not that I can't tell my husband how I feel exactly. It's just that I'm terrified to. I'm scared to tell him how I feel. What are you scared of? His reaction. I imagine my husband's eyes going all glinty, like he's just withdrawn all the love. Um, you're scared to tell him how you feel because you're worried about his reaction? That sounds abusive to me, sis. Yes. Yes, it does. Funny that that's all it took. Five minutes on the phone with my brother to confirm the thing that it took me five years to suspect. Well, maybe I have suspected it, but today is not a suspicion anymore. Look, you've had your fun, right? He asks, and then without waiting for an answer, he says, That's fine. You're allowed to have your fun. But you're done with your fun now, and that's okay. You only get one life, sis. Fly to Geneva. Work for the UN. See the world. Or come visit us. You have a nephew to meet. Just don't stay where you're not happy. Okay. Thanks. I love you. I love you, too. At our family reunion, we ended up sharing the kitchen for Shabbos dinner. And we did it. Two cooks from our family sharing a kitchen. That's unheard of. His shrimp beat my tofu and I was sorely annoyed, which meant I didn't absorb a single compliment about how incredible the challah I'd baked from scratch had been. Of course they loved the challah. It's white flour and sugar. You can't mess that up, and believe me, I've tried. But my tofu is my signature. It's the dish that converts the people who won't even try tofu. People who have never liked tofu. My tofu is usually the best. It's also technically my sister's recipe, but I'll keep it calling it mine. Joseph's shrimp was definitely better. Today is not Shabbos yet, so no challah. Instead, I'm cooking a curry for nobody. Well, for myself. Not for Etienne, who still isn't here, but has texted to say he'll be here by 8 p.m., which is now 13 minutes away. A long time ago, when life was dark and people were stupid, I used to cook curries for fuckface Magoo. Hours and hours I spent cooking those curries. They took a long time to prepare. I would serve him at his computer and then go out to the terrace to eat alone. My own curry recipe is an amalgamation of the authentic and the not-so-much. Fresh onions, garlic and ginger, then a little bit of madras from the jar. Shh, don't tell. I learned the recipe-ish from my old mother-in-law. Of course, it doesn't taste like hers. It never will. But that's the magic of curries, isn't it? No two are alike. I found out Joseph had COVID this past Monday. I'm sad, he said, and he looked it. He was sneezy and fevery, but mostly just sad. My birthday party was going to be this week. I never have birthday parties. I had forgotten about that. The invitation had come in early June, and I tried to concoct a plan that would teleport me the 3,000 miles to attend. But then I got COVID myself and got doored by a car, and yeah. No, I wasn't going to be attending that particular party. I'm sorry, Joey Schmoey, I told him, using the childhood nickname he always claimed to hate. He doesn't correct me anymore, though, which I take as tacit consent for me to use it all the time. Maybe try zinc, I said, and then remembered I'd forgotten his rule about no unsolicited advice, which is outrageous on account of what good advice I have. Okay, he said, surprisingly agreeable. I saw my opportunity and pushed. Quercetin, too, I said. I don't know what it w I didn't know what it was until I got COVID, but it seems to be something that both hippies and nurses prescribe. Apparently it helps you absorb the zinc better. You listening? We were on FaceTime, and I could see his eyes had glazed over like when he gets a work call and stops paying attention. I'm writing a list for the store if Lizzie's able to go, he told me. 
Lizzie, his wife, was downstairs with the baby, masked in case she had it and accidentally gave it to him. I had talked to her a moment ago. They were isolating from each other. Well, Lizzie was isolating from Joey, and Joey was isolating from the world. Poor everyone. What else, he asked. So in a rare moment of solicited advice giving, I also advise to get a neti pot, as long as you're willing to put up with the really, really gross feeling in your sinuses. It's icky, but you'll feel way better afterward. Make sure to read the instructions, I reminded him at least three times. After we hung up, I added it all directly onto his shopping list. Then I added, hugs for Joey Shimoe, kisses for the baby, secrets for my sister-in-law. She might know my secrets, because I gave her a link to this blog. That's how awesome she is. Right then, I guess I should go eat this curry of mine and try out my brother's saffron rice. Etienne will be here any second to not eat with me. Love. Baby girl. P.S. It's later now, and my curry was outrageously delicious. So was Etienne, who's now sleeping like a baby while I write.